if you are listening to me right now, you're plugging in to a sacred space between your ears, a place where the mainstream, where the corporate, where all the dogma goes often. But right now, there is a clearing in the pathway, a Ferris wheel, a rainbow, a leprechaun jumping up and down. Yeah, you got it. We're in your unconscious mind is tuned in to your favorite late night talk show for the shamelessly fringe. It's Open Loops with Greg Bornstein. Conversations that bend. Hello everybody. Greg Bornstein here. Cultural hypnotist, consciousness disruptor, and of course, Chief Looper. Welcome to Open Loops. Yes, Open Loops. Why? What in the world is an open loop? Eh, We'll get to that in a second. You see, my goal is to challenge your existing belief systems by bringing on guests as well as sharing with you my own radically unique ideas designed to stimulate your unconscious mind so you can step into the highest version of yourself. There was uh there was some interesting some interesting hypno play in that last statement. I didn't really finish all the thoughts, but but that's the whole point. That's what an open loop is anyways. It's it's something unfinished. It's something in your brain that's incomplete. Makes you want to know more. It's what happened when I asked what's an open loop at the beginning and didn't answer the question. Yes. So many unanswered questions. And actually, that's what this show is all about. The topics that breed infinite curiosity. Hypnosis, magic, the paranormal, the supernatural, the conspiratorial, the controversial. Uh, Anything, really, that makes things fantastical, uh, imaginative, provokes wonder, astonishment, And of course, that age-old question, who and what we really are. Today's guest, Jilly Maria, took me on a whirlwind conversation. It got a little scary at folks, I I have to be honest. (laughs) We we really went into, uh, I mean, look, I like Jilly. I, I really like how raw she is. I like how down-to-earth, in a way, if a psychic were going to be real, I imagine they'd be more like Jilly, because while Jilly does practice soul alignment, and also she delves into the Akashic Records, she sounds like a real person, as opposed to somebody talking fluffy talk. I've had these guests. I've had them on this show. 
I've had him on the show. People that talk about soul alignment and moving into transcending the dimensions. And sometimes it just seems it, it's very off-putting. I go with it. You've heard me. You've heard me try to try to bring them down a little bit. And not, not in a negative way, but in a, hey... Some people listening to this are going to be calling questions. They're going to they're gonna be asking things uh, that cut through the truth. And why be lofty? Let's just get to the point. Jilly gets right to the point. She goes off and says, hey, masks. <laughs> she starts talking about masks and COVID and getting banned from Facebook. Now, what she isn't saying is that COVID isn't real. Let me get that straight. She's just questioning the science of masks from a place of someone with a autoimmune disorder. Yeah, very interesting point. Had nothing to really do, at least directly, with the Akashic Records. But that was the stepping stone into a conversation where I really thought she brought the Akashic Records down to earth. I, I appreciate how raw Jilly is. I appreciate how brassy. I appreciate how real. Uh, and like I said, it's people like her that are compelled to do this work that I'm more likely to believe have powers in mediumship than somebody that's all... Uh, uh. It's great. She is in a, a authentic Akashic Records practitioner. You're going to learn about what the Akashic Records are. I recommend, for those of you that are interested, uh, look at the look at the history of Edgar Casey if you really want to hear the uh, the popularization of the term. Jilly Maria, she'll shock you at first. She'll bring you around to spirituality. She'll she taps into me at a certain point. She she talks about. Uh, she reads my records. Again, you're going to have to decide what to believe. That said, I do believe that if you enjoy this podcast, you should share it with your friends and family. It, it helps get the word out there, as well as if you could follow it on Apple Podcasts and rate the show and leave a review. I greatly appreciate it. it helps us get the work out there. Though that said... As soon as I ask for a review, I'm about to tell you that for some reason makes me upset. Maybe this is maybe this is part of the Facebook censorship. I don't I don't know. We we talk about all this stuff. The quality of my sound in this, ah, it's not the greatest. It's not the greatest. So I'm going to apologize. For some reason, my the recording settings were off. I don't know, but Jilly sounds great. And isn't that really what matters anyways? All right. If you want to take a deep dive, again, it's a long conversation, but I'm telling you, it it hits, uh, well, she'd be, she said, if you couldn't handle Donald Trump as president, you definitely couldn't handle me as president. Yeah, you're going to get some uncensored opinions here. It is, it is hardly your typical Akashic Records conversation. Without further ado, Jilly Maria.
Today on Open Loops, we have Jilly Maria, a Project Records and Sacred Soul Alignment Practitioner, Medium, Intuitive Healer. Yes, yes, we are going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk so, so about some pretty, pretty weird stuff today, which is perfect for this show. Uh, Jilly, thanks so much for coming on. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Yeah, you know, I, I love all this stuff. Before we get into this, you know, you were telling me that <laughs> Facebook is might kick you off for some of the ideas and the ways you put things. Uh, what is what is so controversial about your perspective uh, in terms of bringing forth these spiritual practices and, and philosophies? Um. I feel like, well, it's not even what I feel like. I know from the way that Facebook algorithms are and how I know things have evolved on Facebook just in 2021 alone, but um, very specifically since the vaccine stuff has come out, um, that they are very conscious of, I would say they're wordsmithing. Um, and they have some interesting things that they're doing with their algorithms, algorithms and whatnot. And when you get into the space of talking about remedies for sickness that do not involve Western medicine, you start to get flagged. Um, they start to put you in a space of, I've personally been warned multiple times that if I continue to, you know, promote energy healing and the use of sacred soul alignments and the use of the Akashic records and Reiki and basically anything, if I, you know, continue to talk about my immune system being strong enough to fight off a virus because, well, that's what your immune system does, um, yeah. it has done for like, you know, 5,000 years, but, you know, let's just not worry about that um uh, yeah yeah will not let you talk anymore you won't be able to post um so i have learned to even though i'm a grammar hound and i'm a spelling freak um i have learned to spell things <laughs> somewhat oh, awkwardly interesting get around um i know six different spellings of covid at the moment i know four different ways to spell vaccine and still get through the fact that i'm saying that <laughs> yes yes <laughs> oh that is interesting so you've had to play that game a little bit yeah but you know what there are some people do you think it's something specific about your message because someone was saying the other night i i don't know who it was if it was on could have been my show. It could have been somebody else I was listening to that was saying, yes, I always get banned for my comments. But then this person goes on and talks about Reiki and no problem whatsoever. They get right through the they get right through the algorithm. What do you think it is? Do you is there something about you that they that they know that's even more powerful than the than the regular uh, mainstream? It's crazy to say this, but mainstream Reiki practitioner. Well, I am a Reiki master, so that. But the thing is, is Reiki is a is an energy healing technique, and I'm not by any stretch, you know, being like dismissive of it because it's very powerful. I've witnessed 
using it on myself and having, you know, using it on other people and having it work wonders. But when you are talking about things like sacred soul alignment, which is just, a, which is a heal, powerful healing modality um, that was created by my friend and um, spiritual teacher and mentor, Alicia Hartzell, and you talk about the Akashic records, they're powerful modalities. And when you start talking about using things, when you basically, when you start saying things like, you don't need a vaccine for a virus. <laughs> um, oh, that is controversial. Yeah. And the thing is, is, you know, when I say things to people, like, you know, when I, when I, I have, an, I have an autoimmune his, disorder history. Um, I have fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome, legally, quote unquote. When I say that, I've been in remission for three and a half years, um, which means I'm asymptomatic. Hmm. And so I got into these healing modalities and energy work way back in 2012 because someone said to me, inflammation is caused by stuck emotion. And the biggest thing with fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue is that they are stuck in autoimmune disorders in general is they're caused by inflammation and inflammation is caused by stuck emotion. And I went, wow, okay. And emotion is simply energy and motion. So if we start unraveling our trauma and our energy and motion and letting go of our anger and our fear and our resentments and our shame and our guilt, which is what the Akashic records and sacred soul alignments allow you to do, then you start to get healthy and well without having to have pharma. And again, I'm not bashing pharma because I know a lot of people who've had a lot of benefits from Western medicine and different prescription drugs. Um, but I also know that 2020 was my healthiest year in like 20 some plus years. Interesting. Very and interesting. I didn't wear a mask except for like, I can tell you how many times I wore a mask this entire, through this whole mess. Um, and I just took care of my immune system. I took care of my energy. I took care of my energetic bodies. And one of the things that's really important to say, in my opinion, is that when we get physically sick, when we have dis-ease in the body, as opposed to ease, wellness, when we have dis-ease in the body, that is the body ringing the bell and it's the last, um, it's kind of like the last warning sign before you go in the river, so to speak. <laughs> um, the body letting you know something is wrong. So the body will tell you there you have an etheric body and if you have like a virus or a bacteria, in your etheric energy body and you can take it out of your etheric body, the chances that you're going to get sick are slim to none. Now, this is this is interesting. This is very interesting. Uh, and it, you're right. You're right. This is not just Reiki. This is not just clearing the blocks and all this stuff. I mean, you're really talking about some heavy hitting uh, spiritual principles and ideas here uh you know what i mean i hmm, i could see why this would be scary to people uh do you think they do you actually believe that these these powers that be know about this powerful stuff they they're really they're really 
you know, they're really well versed in the occult and they're actively suppressing this knowledge? No. What I do believe, though, is that they have, I believe that there's an agenda. Um, oh. I don't know. I haven't, and it wouldn't even say, I wouldn't, you know, because someone had asked me a few weeks ago, what would you consider a conspiracy theory? And I said, no, I wouldn't. But I would say that if you're in a space where, like, nobody has to, like, let me give you an example. Think about something like MMR, measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine that you get in the United States. Nobody has to bribe you or cajole you or coerce you or shame you or we don't have television commercials about getting MMR. You just get it and you get it and then you get a booster when you get older. You're never going to get measles, mumps, and rubella, right? Right. So, So the notion is, is that, you know, when it comes to, when it came to like this whole thing last year and I started, cause I mean, again, having an autoimmune disorder, I need to know as much information about anything that comes up as possible. Um, so I go to the manufacturer's website of the shots of any medication. Like I read more information on Lyrica when it first came out than anybody wants to know about Lyrica. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. That sounds, it sounds like a dreadful exercise to have to go through. Yeah, no, I, I, but I imagine that. But it's in the space of I need to protect my health and well-being. Of course. Because of course. if I'm not able to take care of myself and my body, my you know, my energetic body is the vehicle through which I work and I am unwell, I can't work. I can't support myself. So it behooves me to be very well read. So I'm not coming from a space of fear. I'm coming from a space of gosh. You know, I went on these websites and I read this information from the manufacturers directly about what this is, what it does, um, learned about as much as I could about COVID, about the coronavirus, about all these things, and consumed many hours trying to figure out, like, is this really dangerous? What is this? What am I doing? Why? Um, I couldn't wear a mask because I started having flashbacks. Like I thought, okay, didn't even occur to me that it would be an issue. Um, had a mask, wore it the first, like wore it once or twice. It was like, okay, complete, first time was in my kitchen. And I, you know, and sitting there kind of thinking, okay, this feels weird, but I'll, I'll figure it out, right? And uh, I don't remember where I went, but I work from home, so I don't have to really go places necessarily. Um, but I was somewhere, it was a short little outing and I had the mask on and I freaked, freaked out. Like I started, I came ungrounded. And what I mean by that is I felt like I was going to collapse. Um, started having, I was in in the middle of a store and I didn't even fit, like had two or three things in my cart, needed more things. Was like, I can't know my body well enough to know something is wrong. I need to get out of here immediately. Like my trauma response kicked in, um, paid for what I needed to get, got out of the store, ripped the mask off my face. Like I was tearing a bandaid off, you know, um, get in my car and I'm (gasps) what in the world was that? Like what's going on? Started having trauma flashbacks. 
um, I am a date rape survivor and I started having flashbacks of my date rape. And, and I spent about three years between 2012 and 2015 intensely healing that. So I was quite surprised that a mask over my face. And even though when I was being raped, I had a, he had his hand over my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, so all these other things are coming up for me. Right. And I'm like, okay, so I have trauma that I still need to go back and heal. So I'm like, okay, I can't wear a mask. So I'm trying to figure out, like, we have a mask mandate where I live, um, at the time. And it was okay. So now I need to figure out. So I was like, I learned all the stores that were mask friendly and I was allowed to go in they weren't going to say anything. I could say I have a medical exemption, which I do. And they were okay, cool. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And the people that were like, you, you know, what I affectionately call mask Nazis, you will wear a mask or you won't shop in here. Okay. I wasn't there to have an argument with people. So I just turned and walked away. So in Mm. the meantime, I'm using all different sacred soul alignments to protect myself, to cleanse my energy, to bolster my immune system, to really shift my, the anger that was coming up. Some of the stuff that was like, Oh, um, because as you know, I mean, I'm not sure where you are in the country, but you know, where you are in the world, but in the Northeast. um, Okay. So, so you're in the same kind of, cause I'm in North Carolina. So we're kind of in that same area of like, you know, right. Right. And so it became this, okay. I can't wear a mask. And I had a few people that know me well say, well, is it, does it get weird when you're in places and you're the only one? I assume you're like the only one not wearing a mask. Yep. How does that feel? Listen, I've talked about my rape to people in Congress with various laws. I don't have any issue with that. I don't have an issue being looked at as the pariah, like I'm going to kill grandma because I'm not wearing a mask. Mm. Um, But the thing is, is I don't feel like, to answer your original question, I don't feel like the powers that be um, know the power necessarily of various healing modalities in the healing arts. So the Akashic records, sacred soul alignments, you know, Reiki, different other different emo- things that have to do with emotion and healing, naturally healing the immune system. But I think there's more of this fear driven. Everybody has to get the vaccine. We need everybody desperately to be listening and on the same page is more the, we need everybody buying the story and rowing the boat in the same direction. Why do you think that is though? When it, when you said there is an agenda or they, what are they trying to do to us? I feel like, well, part of it is, is, you know, I feel like, and I, someone asked me, I have a lot of friends that are in the military and I asked a couple of them because I've learned over the years how to ask questions without asking a question. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, you should teach us that. that. Well, I mean, I know that in like, they have, they have, you know, they have, um, OPSEC, which is operational security. Right. And so, and most of them have higher level of clearances. So I would ask a question that's like a yes or no question. And I would ask it backward to get the information without them having to, you know, to spill the beans or say anything to me. 
That's interesting. Can you give me an example of that right now? Um, so I would ask a question like, I feel like the stand down in Benghazi was to protect, like we had another operation going on. And I would say, am I wrong? Am I right? And they knew me well to know the way I was asking the question that the certain answers, certain ways would tell me you're spot on, but I can't tell you that. And so, because a lot of people like to say it's water under the bridge. Like if you've ever lived through a toxic relationship before, it's like nobody wants to piss off so-and-so. So if someone says that's the end of the conversation in certain families and certain family dynamics, everybody shuts up and nobody asks questions. So there's certain people who they think, and then according to our media in the U.S., their opinion, like whenever this, if, if a certain person says, this is what is, we're all supposed to go, okay, and nod our heads like good little minions and keep walking and not question anything. But hmm. at the same time, it's like, well, how, and, I, and you know, when I was having conversations as examples with friends of mine last year and you know, they were on this whole, like, you got to wear a mask thing. And I said, okay, let me ask you a question. I said, I understand. I, and this is how deeply I go into certain things. I said, so the micron size of the average cloth mask is 0.3. Yes. The micron size of the coronavirus is 0.1. So if you're trying to wear a cloth mask to prevent yourself from getting it from inhaling particles you're essentially putting up a chain link fence trying to keep mosquitoes out hmm. and we're sitting here <laughs> applying like we're doing something it's like well okay that's fantastic but I ain't spending $5,000 or $2,000 or a hundred bucks on chain link fence in Florida to keep mosquitoes out of my yard. That's Wait a minute. A I'm really not talking to a QAnon supporter here. You're telling me that you're coming. <laughs> I mean, really, I, this is, I mean, look, it's tough because people are going to, and I don't want to loop you right in with those other kinds of people, but that said, it does sound I mean, actually, in a weird way, are you kind of uh, vindicating the anti-maskers by coming from this perspective? You're saying, hey, wait a minute. No, no, no. Not all the anti-mask people are Trump supporters. They're not all no, that. not at all. They are. They're I mean, people. Of, out, a lot of, you know, yeah. the thing is, like, I, you know, I told many people that know me very well and know my history. Listen. And they're like, you know, the people that knew that I wasn't wearing a mask. And I'm like, Listen. I, as a, as a trauma survivor, I need to have my life as normal as possible. So as much as I enjoy, and I say that very sarcastically, 
you know, flashbacks and anxiety attacks and panic attacks, I think I'll not do that. So there was a lot, you know, so the thing, here's the thing is, you know, there's a lot of reasons why, and people, you know, one point last year when this all first started, people were in a space of like, okay, but a cloth mask is better than nothing. And the hospital people need the N95 masks. Okay, fair enough. And I'm not discounting anybody's experience with, you know, it being a really nasty virus. Not at all. But at the same time, if you can use something like HCQ that's already in the market that lupus patients have used for 50 years, it's been approved to treat something. Why wouldn't you? If you're in a space where like, I'll give you an example, when as, as a cross example, when Viagra first came out, it was a cardio drug. Right, right. And then they went, oh my God, people are having the side effect of having erections. Yes. And then they completely shifted the marketing to, oh, it's an ED drug. <laughs> right. So this notion that, you know, that, that things can, that, well, we can't possibly use this for that. And you know, to be in a space of, well, okay, if I can harness my own immune system and people would be like, what do you do? You know, what do you do to combat, to strengthen your immune system? And I would say, well, I take a vitamin C cocktail and I take a magnesium cocktail and I use apple cider vinegar. Yes, it's disgusting, but it works. Um, and I use elderberry syrup and I take really good care of myself and I stay away from people. I mean, I'm a huge introvert. I'm a very much an introvert. Um, so I stay away from people in the first place. <laughs> um, mm. So not a whole lot changed for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the point was, is it's like, I'm not going to be in a space of fear. I'm going to research the crap out of this, see what is going on and go, you know, if I'm inhaling and one of my friends, one of my friends who happens to be a PA, he said to me, um, I'm going to break ranks with my medical brethren on this one. And we were just, we were having lunch and I said, okay. He's like, sweetie, if you can smell through it, it's not helpful. Mm. And I went, well, I mean, I already knew that. I was like, okay. And so you start to kind of put the pieces together and it's, and if people want to, you know, say, oh, it's a cute thing or it's a conspiracy theory or you're, you know, you're a Trump or whatever, you can label me whatever you want. But as opposed to being in a space of no, as someone who knows that putting a mask on my face was bringing me back to a place of trauma that I would, and I have done years of healing and even, you know, people in my family were like, wow, okay. So I'm, it makes me set, it makes me curious about people who haven't done their trauma work. What about the people who have trauma they haven't touched or they're completely unaware of? And I went full stop. What about them? Hmm. Because we were so busy being a virus, a virus, a virus, a virus, a virus, right? In this space of constant fear, which I'm in my 40s and never in my life have I known us through Zika, through, you know, through, um, you know, swine flu, all these things that we were not like, they were all viruses and we were never like, oh my God. You know, even with HIV AIDS, we were, you know, 
briefly, but it was very specific to, you know, people who had blood transfusions and the gay lesbian population. So, right. but you were, we were you know, you're he- I mean, you're, you see things, you under, you kind of, you, you get messages, yeah. big picture messages. I mean, why now? In 2020, what do you think was going on such that it sounds like there are a bunch of agendas here? One is the agenda to get the vaccine. One is the agenda to cause fear in the public in general. Um, And now there's this agenda to suppress alternative ways of healing. Uh, You know, if it's not somebody in charge that's controlling this narrative because they know something else. What is your intuition telling you they are trying to do to all of us? I feel like it's, you know, on one on one level, you know, the Akash will give you certain pieces of information, but there's so many players involved. And you get information from the Akashic records that if nothing else changed, this is the picture in this exact timestamp most. So like if I took a picture of this exact moment in time, what's in that picture Mm. so it's that frozen moment but then if you know someone in dc as an example goes hey you know x percentage of the company or the country rather isn't vaccinated isn't planning on getting vaccinated no matter their reasoning we're going to have to switch gears over here because this other thing so it depends you know it's a shift so if that shift happens, then there's free will at play. And it's, but it's again, when people ask me like, what do you think is controlling it? Well, what do, you know, why would we be suppressing free thought? Why would you shame people? You know, why would you say, why would you, you know, flag a post on Facebook or, tr- you know, Twitter or you know, you know, Instagram for saying, you know, I'm bolstering my immune system. I mean, the immune system is part of the human body. It's not like that's a new, you know, newfangled thing in 2020. Yeah. Um, you know, why would you shame people for saying, you know, oxygenation is important. And when we put anything over our face, it impedes our oxygenation. And I've even had that conversation. I mean, I'm a runner and, you know, um, I've had that conversation with various people. I mean, last summer, people were like, how do I politely tell people to put a mask on when I'm running outside? And I said, oh, you don't. I guess, I said, Jilly, I'm trying to figure out what the answer is. I, I don't know why. Maybe, maybe I'm missing something very obvious here. But what do you, <laughs> I mean. Well, here's the thing. So I said to people, you know, here's the thing. When I, because I have a hard time breathing when it's very cold outside. Yeah. And yet when you train for races, because I used to do obstacle course racing. So I used to do Spartan races and you don't, you have a, like my first races of the year usually were March or April. So you have to run outside to kind of get your body acclimated to cold mornings, to cold running. And the two top, at least as far as I, my opinion, um, two of the top fitness programs that certify people to be fitness instructors, um, NASM and ACE, up until 2020 would say, would not even want you to wear a gator on your face. So a gator is like a, um, 
It's like a giant one piece scarf tube thing that you pull over your face and it's, it can be a neck warmer or you can pull it up to over your nose and breathe through it to get a little bit warmth on your face so your face doesn't freeze when it's really cold outside. And they would even say, you know, we highly recommend, you know, pulling it up, taking a couple breaths, letting your face, you know, melt a little bit so you can feel your face again, pulling it back down to your neck and continuing running, letting your lungs have cold air in them and process cold air in them. That was the whole point. Um, so when it came to like, all of a sudden, you know, they move into the space of like, because they were, and they would say, wearing a gaiter over your face, wearing any kind of face covering, be it a scarf, gaiter, whatever, impedes your oxygenation. It affects yeah. your VO2 max. So it's like, well, that would be common sense. Okay, fine. So then of course, you know, enter 2020 and we need to all wear a mask for two weeks to flatten the curve. And all of a sudden there's this giant shift to, you know, wearing a mask while heavily exercising. Um, no. Like, do you want people passing out? I mean, really? Hmm. And so you're in this, and the thing is like, when I would say like, even my health club, you know, I was like, I cannot be in here. I can't be masked. I'm like, number one, I'm going to have all kinds of issues. But number two, I'm going to pass the hell out. Yeah. And the fact that you're asking people to be on a treadmill and the fact that our lawmakers would be asking people to be like, well, it's for public safety's sake. And I'm like, okay. I mean, it's a lo much longer discussion, but it's like, why are we trying, why are we using fear and then they would try to say, well, facts over fear, but then you would say you have an immune system, bolster it and allow it to work. And that was a thing for like, I got flagged, I know multiple people that were flagged for say, you know, like fitness instructors that I know, um, trainers that I know that were saying, well, I'm boosting my immune system. I'm out running without a mask. And the little thing would flip up and be like, you might be getting misinformation. See, this is why. Okay, okay. Look, you you just you're asking more questions. I don't know. Are you playing with me right now? Because you you have not. Yeah, I, you're asking you're asking questions. It's a lot of why. I mean, maybe that's the point. Is your point that at the end of the day, you just have to keep asking more questions, and there aren't answers, or do you know something and you're just not saying it? What's going on, Jilly? Well, here's the thing. I believe that. Depopulation is that what they're trying to do to us? Be honest, right now they're trying to knock us out. I no, I don't think that. Um, I know that that I've read a lot on that, um, but I will be honest with you. When I read through anything, I go with my gut. So if I get chills when I'm reading something, that's something to me that's like, oh, that's a tr like the truth bell's going off, right? But then there's a lot of things that I read that it's like, yeah, that's not jiving with me. Now, that being said, having someone like Bill Gates being published in a major medical journal, he's not a doctor. And uh, someone that I followed for a couple of years now, who's a functional medicine doctor, as well as an MD, as well as a board certified, or was a board certified OBGYN doc for like 15 years before she left the profession. She had posted this long post one day and, and basically shamed the major medical journals for allowing people who are not medical doctors 
and not in medicine in any way to publish about the coronavirus and COVID, like why are we putting someone's opinion in a medical journal? There's plenty of places in the world that you can publish your opinion as a billionaire about a virus that will happily be like, hey, you're a billionaire and you can, dude can literally write a check to any publication. She's like, did he write a public, did he write a check to this publication to say, hey, I'd like to be published in your journal. I don't know, but I do know that again, usually JAMA, which is the Journal of the American Medical Association and the New England Journal of Medicine only allow people who are in medicine to publish, which makes sense. So it's one of those things where it's, you know, do I think that they're going for population control? I do not. Um, do I feel like um, when the language has shifted, when I feel like they are discouraging people actively from reading about it, that there's something else going on? Yes. Because I know a lot, and I've had many people, had many people, and when this publishes, people are going to be like, oh, so she's not getting vaccinated. I am not. Um, because I have an autoimmune condition. And I have worked my tail off to put it in remission. And I will not be doing anything that could even slightly minusculely threaten that. Um, so I'm in a unique position where I've done more re and here's the thing. I know currently I know 11 people and I know a lot of people with autoimmune issues, but I know of 11 people who have gotten it one or the other of them um and they have and of those 11 people six of them that i know of have come out that they've been pulled out of their body has pulled itself out of remission which means they've had a flare they've had some sort of um reaction that nothing else has changed except that they got the vaccine and both websites for Moderna and Pfizer both said that um, it was not, if you had a known condition, a known autoimmune issue, that it was not in your best and highest interest to get it. Not in those exact, I'm not saying that verbatim, but, and then it, the language changed to get in touch with your medical provider and it should be a decision between you and your doctor, which everything medical should be a decision between you and your doctor. <laughs> But I find it interesting how the language in certain in certain circles has changed and how when you question certain things, people get really antsy and ornery with you and freak out. And, you know, well, now there's this push that they're going to go door to door. And and I, you know, I've had to say to a few people, well, you know, if someone unless you're in a coma, literally or living under a freaking rock you know that there's a vaccine available to you and it shouldn't even really be called a vaccine because again if you go and read the websites they both say that it's not a prophylactic which means you can still get it and you can still be contagious basically what it does is it makes you less vulnerable to ending up in the hospital which yay for not being hospitalized 
And this is to say that, you know, I believe in, I know several people that either have gotten very, very sick from it. I know a few people that have passed away. Um, all of them were elderly. And, you know, and I've had, you know, and I know I've had these conversations personally with multiple people. So when this publishes, it won't be like this big, like, oh my God, she's against, yeah. But I don't believe it should be called a vaccine because a vaccine is something that you get for something that you're never going to get if you get inoculated against it. And yet, like, we don't call the flu shot a flu vaccine. We call it flu shot. You know, I think I got one of my questions answered, which is why are they taking your stuff off Facebook? Um, you know, let me move to another topic for a second because there's, there is, yeah, this is, I mean, wow, wow, wow. I don't even know what this has to do with soul alignment and Akashic records, which is why I want to kind of move in that direction. Well, a see, bit. let me, let me, so let me explain that. So yeah, make the connection for me because I want to go some there Some of the too. things that like when you, when you go like, what the Akashic records deal with is every thought word and deed of your soul. So we all have one, objects have them, houses have them, events have Akashic records. So when you go, when you, when people ask a question of the Akashic records, you're going to get the information that you need to know as a human being for your best and highest good. So like if we're trying to align your soul and your human self, because I've had multiple people say, do my guides, you know, do my guides, what do my guides say about me getting jabbed? And I'll say, you know, my opinion, I'll, you know, take my opinion out of it and, you know, say, okay. And one, I had someone ask me recently and I said, they're saying yes, but they want you to check your why. So are you doing it from a place of I'm being pressured to do it? or I'm being coerced and doing it. Like you can't do a thing unless you get a thing. Or are you doing it from a space of, no, I feel relatively confident that I'm taking good care of my health and well-being by getting it. If that's the case, knock yourself out. Um, but what the moving and then what, you know, sacred soul alignments have to do with it is that sacred soul alignments is like a laser healing modality. So, if I were to example run like virus or bacteria, it helps to dissolve and eliminate energetically the roots of viruses and bacteria in your body. Yeah, I was going to ask, what is this? You were talking about the soul alignment method. Uh, what exactly, how does it work? How is it discovered? What exactly is this modality? So Sacred Soul Alignments is created by, was created by Alicia Hartzell. And um, I think it's like, we're going on like, I think it's like six years ago. Um, and it is a powerful healing modality that will clear energetically, it deals with the energetics in the body. So energetically clearing the things that don't work for us and calling in, making space for and rooting in the things that do work for us. So let's say, for example, that you are in a space of fear about, you know, let's say you're in, you, you're in a space, the space of fear around, um, let's just use money as an example. So let's say that you are like doing affirmations daily about, you know, I have a million dollars, I have a million dollars, I have a million dollars. 
but mm. you grew up in a household where money was used as manipulation or you believe that capitalism sucks or you watched like if you watched your parents split up as a child and one of the like your mother used money to you know um you know poured all the money down the drain as you know drinking or your dad used money to you know buy women or you know manipulate your mother to see you or not see you or use you know paid for you know paid for things for you but didn't spend any time with you you're gonna have a really icky you're gonna have a lot of icky energy around you're gonna hate money basically and so you don't hate money but you see my subconsciously money for you is dirty it's icky it's all you know rich people are evil so all those things that are beliefs that have to be obliterated and dissolved in order for you to be in a space because if you're in a space of i hate money you can't be open to receive it does that make sense yeah 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 no of course it's uh it's a limiting belief it's uh it can it can be really deep it's it's something that well can well traditional therapy certainly takes years and years to even get to the to, to the tip of getting rid of that uh Correct. versus these modalities which really go in quick and really go in deep i'm curious what is it about this that allows clearings to happen how does how is that working well the first thing is is that anybody that is like if i like when i do work in my coaching practice um you got i mean if you're coming to me you're out you're open to receive it you're open to hearing about it you're probably in a space where you've tried talk therapy and again not bashing it i used it for the first year and a half of my journey it was fabulous but again yeah. with anything whether it's chemotherapy for cancer or you know a bone marrow transplant to you know or you know some sort of body you know transplant to save your kidneys or whatever you got to be open to the notion that it's going to work mm -hmm. um that there's efficacy to it so then you bring in the notion of so we go using going into the akashic records to figure out the root of it so what's the story because people will often come to me with a story about you know um i can't seem to bring in money in my life okay so what's the story behind that and we start unraveling that and then we can bring in like they might you know like again like i said earlier you know um a client came to me and said my dad used to buy time with me and so we went into this whole thing took like half an hour going through and seeing like what that really meant so she was in a space of and like 99 percent of my clients are female um but she was in a space of you know i hate money like subconsciously she had this notion of i hate money because i associate it with buying people buying affection as opposed to like choosing to spend time with me uh, okay so then would it would it then follow that you are terrified of like you don't want to have money because if you're have money then if you're spending it you're manipulating people somewhere subconsciously again and i was like well yeah that makes sense so you can't even call in abundance you're doing sitting here doing affirmations for days but you're terrified of having money or you hate money or you have some other fear-based emotion around money. It was like, well, yeah, okay. So then that's when you would bring in 
the different whatever intuitive whatever um alignments would be what i would that i would get intuitively to bring in every case is different but to start to dissolve the emotion and the stories and the beliefs so that we can then bring in and allow energy which is you know emotion is just energy in motion so allowing the energy to flow to us of money because money is just another energy to flow to us and be in a space of oh yeah i'm open to receiving abundance because i know that i can decide that money is good or bad i can use money there's a lot of people that are millionaires and billionaires who use money for good things they just don't talk about it publicly because they want it to be just like i want my i want the people to be helped without my name being splashed all over headlines well, I was going to say, this is, so when you talk about bringing soul alignment in there, I mean, what, what does that look like if it's not just waving your hands over people, uh, which maybe it is, I, how are you, how are you calling that forth? So what I would do is let's say, for example, like I would do a quick grounding, like ground you into the earth to get you grounded and then connecting you in with source, God, creator, your higher self. And then I would, for example, say creator and divine love and like calling in sacred soul alignment, um, you know, virus or money or, um, you know, trauma disconnect is a really big one because a lot of times we have subconscious trauma attached to money or attached to any variety of things. Um, you know, calling in the relationship of our dreams, the career of our dreams. Like a lot of times people are terrified of getting up, like they want the management position or the leadership position, or they want to be a public speaker, but they're terrified of being seen or being heard. Well, if you're scared of being seen, you're not going to be the CEO of the company anytime soon because there's visibility involved. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, you know, that, that clearing that, themes i mean I, I i know how to do things like this with hypnosis i know how mm -hmm. to do things like that with neurolinguistic programming there are different ways to to change people belief systems uh i'm wondering you know what is <laughs> uh you know what what does it take to to align someone's soul in a sacred manner uh you know obviously if this is something that uh you you're skilled in and it has been taught um is it is it something you have to be gifted with i mean you know as a medium and a healer you 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 have this background as well uh hmm, let me let me go back to this question actually this way were you always gifted in these intuitive arts yes um and here's the thing with the more that i the more that i look looking back on my life um my grandma had a house that was um about 150 years old and i remember being terrified as a child of going up the stairs by myself and it used to be a doctor's house and I, about a year ago, my grandma's been passed since 2015. And um, about a year ago, I had this flash. I was driving down the highway and I had this flash moment of, I wonder who the guy was at the top of the steps. <laughs> and it wasn't a literal person, but I was terrified of like, 
going upstairs, like when we would go and stay overnight at my grandma's house, I was scared of going up there by myself. And I realized about a year ago, had this flash moment of, you know, you saw dead people at grandma's house. Did I ever say anything? I mean, I still, my mom listens to this. She's going to be like, oh my God. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but it's like, I, that happened when I was younger. Um, when I was, you know, little, when I was probably eight or nine years old, um, I was at my dad's in Maine and he had, he had rented, he and my stepmom had rented this farmhouse that was probably 100, 150 years old. And um, I, my bedroom was facing the fields. And I remember distinctly as a child, this house was old. Um, and I remember distinctly seeing this little girl in a field in a white dress. And next to our house was a road that went down to the lake. And behind the house and to the right of the house was this was hay fields. And um, when they would hay, when they would harvest the hay, um, you could see like all the way back. And I could see old horse stables on the left hand side, but I never went near them because there was ground wasps and whatnot. So I wasn't allowed to walk around or by myself or anything. And I never asked to go look at them. But I always, I remember again, years later being, thinking, you know, I never said anything to my, again, my dad hears this, he's gonna be like, oh my God. Um, but I remember seeing this little girl in white. And I remember years later doing some research on the house and trying to find out like who lived there. Um, and it wasn't like a prominent house or like that I could tell. Um, so there wasn't any information about who, what, where, like what happened, but I got intuitively when I asked the house, I went a couple years ago, um, with my best friend and, um, you know, we drove past this house and as I was driving past, I was like, wow, got home, that, but got back to my dad's that night. And I said, um, and it's, you know, I just said, we went to see the house and, you know, oh, okay didn't say much to me more, but then that night I was asking, you know, I was connecting it energetically with the house and saying, you know, was someone killed? Like, did the little girl die? Is that why I saw her in the field or was she, you know, did something else happen? And I got the notion that there was some kind of tragic loss there. Didn't get a lot of details, but it was still like one of those things where I realized, you know, okay, yeah, I had my gifts very young. I was, I was an empath. I've been an empath my whole life, but I didn't ever, um, I didn't really, I started my healing process consciously in 2011 and in 20, I think 14 or so, I was starting the Akashic records and, you know, we all have access to the Akashic records. I strongly recommend that people take a course in them because I feel like it's really important to know that you're coming from like to set up your energetic intentions as with anything to come from a place of love and light. Like you don't want to play with dark energies or anything like that. Um, and I don't, don't touch those things. And I don't recommend that. When did you encounter when did you encounter that the the akashic records for the first time i i i know i heard about it 
in the context of uh, Edgar Casey. Uh, when did you learn about it? I heard about it the first time, I think in 2013. And the funny, not funny, I, I was in a, it was in a group and it was a manifesting group and I was in this group and this woman did an Akashic Records live and she said, you can ask one specific question of your Akashic Records. I didn't know this chick from Adam, but I thought, hey, I'm curious. Why, you know, why not? It was way back when I was, you know, not protecting my energy, knew nothing, was green as the day is long. And I asked, I don't remember what the question was, but I remember her reading my question and giving me the information and she was spot on. And I was blown away. I was fascinated and I was blown away. And so what, can you, every time- Can you tell I, people what they are? How would you define the Akashic Records? The Akashic, well, I mean, the basic definition is they're a record of, they're an energetic record. Think the cloud, but for your energy. Um, of every thought, word, and deed of your soul. So if you believe in past lives, there's a lot of stuff there. If you're like, no, past lives are not a thing, that's cool too. There's plenty, I always tell people, there's plenty of stuff to mine in your 20, 30, 40, 50, however many years you've been on this planet as a human being, um, there's plenty of information there too. That's fascinating as the day is long. Um, but the Akashic records are a storehouse of everything. So, you know, if you like made a decision that you need to go back and um, revisit or if you are like you want to go and heal a situation with somebody you can do that energetically in the records you can shift things you can heal you can shift energy like if you're in a space where you say hey can i set the you know can i set an intention in the records that i am gonna nail this interview even though i have huge social anxiety and i'm terrified of this interview or i'm really intimidated by the company like, you know, a lot of times if someone has like a dream job or a dream opportunity, our mind locks up. And so if you, you can definitely go in there and you can, again, when it comes to future forward things, it's important to remember that everybody has free will. So if there's a player in the game, like there's a, someone in there that suddenly changes their mind, um, that can affect things. But at the same time, you can use the records to, heal you can use the records to get in I, one of my favorite things is to get insights from them like i will do threads on my page I, what i mean by thread is i'll post hey post your you know post your specific question for the akashic records and people will post their questions and i will be in the go in their records and i will give them the information that i have and so one of the things i love about sharing them is giving people that extra insight because if we can be and it doesn't mean like you know, people will say, I had people say, well, if this is real, then give me lottery numbers. Okay, first of all, there's way too many things involved there. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, that's not what they're for. And, you know, it's, but it's something where being able to be in a space of, you know, is it in my, like, is it in my best and highest interest? Like, I'll give you an example. Somebody asked me, um, end of 2019, Someone was planning on doing a foreign trip from the U.S. and said, is my trip going to go well? And I 
got the first thing I heard was no. And ever if I ever get a no in the records, I always want more information because I never want to leave somebody with a no. <laughs> so I, you know, said, okay, I need more information. And when you're in the records, I'm asking your guides, we all have spirit guides that are in our Akashic records and give us the information. Um, so I said, need more information. And what I was shown, because you're going to see if you're certified in the Akashic records, if you're going into the Akashic records, you're going to receive information the way that your clairs dictate. So in other words, if you're like, I'm my strongest clear is clear audience, which means clear hearing. Um, if I'm working with, if I'm working with you, for example, and your strongest thing is that you happen to be, and you don't have to be in your clairs. You don't have to be in, in your intuition. Um, clairs are just a vehicle for delivering into intuition. So for delivering information to you. Um, but like, let's say that your strongest clear is clairvoyance. So you're, you have, you have clear seeing, which is most people's most is the most common clear people know about. Um, I might say what I'm seeing for you or what I'm being shown is, and in this particular case, I was being shown a lot of chaos for this person. And I was being shown like a lot of like train tracks that were crossing and it doesn't have to be literal, but I said, there's something going to be going on early 2020 that I feel like is going to bring you back stateside. And the person said, do, do my guides recommend I get travel insurance? And I got an instant yes. And this person had spent upwards on, was planning on traveling all to, to every continent was the original intention of the trip. Um, they were in late February. It was after Valentine's day. Um, and got this notion, messaged me one night and said, Hey, I'm over here. They were in another part of the world. And they said, I just got this intuitive notion that I need to, to change my plans and come back to the States. And I'm just, I'm getting a chill as I say this. Um, and I said, yes. And I didn't have like full information as to what was going on and why and whatnot, because again, there's way too many players involved. Um, but I said, it is in your best and highest interest to, to, you know, change your plane ticket. So you're not going to be going to your next destination, your next continent, you need to come back stateside. And I was, and I got this like very heavy notion that it was super urgent. And I said, it's actually really urgent that you do this. And they said, okay, that's the same notion I was getting. And within an hour, they had changed all their stuff, <laughs> excuse me, and were at the airport and going through customs and coming back stateside. And um, pretty much as soon as they, got out of the country they were mid-flight mid-transatlantic flight when that country shut down and it was before it even made the news that that it was like done you're closed and no one's going anywhere so they yeah. would have been stuck for an interminable amount of time and it was there and it was like they got to i think that she got to new york and messaged me and said thank you so much i really feel bad um you know, let me know how much I owe you, whatever. And I'm like, you know, pay whatever you wish to pay. I do that with some people, not with most people. But in that case, I was like, you know, it's like three in the morning. I happen to have woken up for whatever reason and was clear enough to, which I'm normally not, but I was clear enough to like instant full body chill on that one. Like you need to do it now. <laughs> no pass and go, no collecting $200, get all your crap 
and come back to the U.S. <laughs> Wait a minute. So, so this is, uh, there's so much you've gone over here. Uh, I'm wondering, what do you think the difference is between just tuning into your subconscious mind versus the Akashic records? Is it the same thing or, or is this even deeper? It's even deeper because here's the thing. The mind is more like the ego and you know what the human wants to do where the Akash is energetic for one thing. It's, um, but it's also the, your higher self. So, you know, if we're making a decision for this, you know, from the space of like, cause a lot of times what the human, like the human wants instant gratification, the human wants reassurance, the human wants to be out of fear where the higher self is like, it's good. And it's not that we're like, you know, it's not that you are instantly in the land of, you know, unicorns and roses and everything is ducky and hunky-dory and you're pooping cupcakes and glitter that's not it at all um but at the same time what i have found in my own experience and my experience with clients is is going into the akash and you know getting clarity around is it in my best and highest interest to walk away from a situation you know we can get extra insight on like if someone is asking about a relationship i can be in their half of the relationship and say you know this because I can't you you can't be in the Akash without I mean you can be but it's not energetically ethical um and you get far more information when you have permission but like if I'm in the if I'm in the Akashic records of someone's relationship with another person and I say hey the energy is is that this person isn't ready to commit to you it's not you but they have crap they need to deal with and they're not willing to deal with it your best and highest you know for your best and highest good you need to leave the relationship um, those things can save you months of time and energy. They can also leave you in a free space to welcome in like a career opportunity as an example, or another person, or they can save you from, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of time and trouble and effort. That's interesting. Because if you. If you're in the Akashic record, like when people ask, you know, one of the things I say, like when I do my lives is, you know, um, when I'm in the Akashic records, I'm not giving you my opinion. If I have an opinion on something, I'll say in my opinion, separate and apart from your Akashic records, this, um, but the Akashic records, you know, it's not my opinion. And I will say a lot of times, like when I'm talking to my friends one-on-one, -on -one, I'll say, well, do you want my opinion as your friend? What I would do as a human, or do you want you know, to know what your, you know, what your guides have to say, what the Akashic records have to say. So I'll really? definitely differentiate really? those That's two. interesting that you can separate your opinion from the records because some people might also go, yeah, well, you know what, I, I, I live through the records. My, my opinion in the records are one. Uh, why are they oh, different? No. Well, because again, it's energetic. And the thing is, is your records are always coming from a space of what is in your best and highest good. And like, it can be like, I'll give you an example. Um, a friend of mine about two years ago was in a, what would become an abusive relationship. And um, I, you know, she asked me, you know, for my thoughts on it. And I, you know, said, huh? And I said, well, you know, for your best and highest good, um, what I'm hearing is that you guys need to go your separate ways. 
and she's like, but he's a really good guy. At the time she was still in her space of like, she needed to, she liked fixing people and she liked, she liked a guy who was a project and women can be projects too. Um, but she was in the space of not wanting to deal with her stuff yet. And so I had said, I met him like once and I said, you know, and she's like, what did you think of him when you met? And that's one of the most common things I hear is, well, what is your read on the person? What do you think of so-and-so? And, you know, I always do everything first by energy. Mm. So energetically, what I'm getting is this, this, this. In my opinion, he seems like a good human being. Like he's, you know, good stand-up people, solid citizen. Um, and I'll say energetically, you know, intuitively, he's got some work to do because I can't, I can't be in your Akashic records without your permission. And I'm like, I know you like him, but nah. And so, you know, it, it, a lot of times when people, you know, I mean, do I generally speaking live an intuitively led life as opposed to like, you know, being very, um, left brain about it, I guess is the right way of saying it. Um, yes, but the energetics of the, and I can't, you, it's hard to explain to somebody who the difference between knowing, like being in the Akashic records and making decisions from a space of intuitive knowing versus being like, but I want to, like, I want to have ice cream versus, you know, I've got, I've got, you know, fruit at, I've got fruit at home and the fruit would be much better for me. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh yeah yeah keep going uh, i i <laughs> no but i mean that's that's the biggest thing is that a lot of times you know and a lot of times people will say and i'll you know you know again i am one of those people that's very clear in my differentiation of it and saying you know do you want my opinion like we chat as girlfriends about it and i you know and, and you know and saying hey you know this person has work to do or they're not going to change or i don't really care for that person because you're still a human being, even if you're highly intuitive and in your records, you're still a human being. I was going to say, how do you know the, uh, again, and this is the skeptic in me, I'm going, okay, look, sure. I can very much sit here and go, let me t tap into something. And then all of a sudden, I'm almost pretending to tap into something that's higher than me. And and this kind of thing. I mean, it's a click. It's a click in my head. I'm I'm going, yeah, now I'm into something else. Uh, you know, what what is is there a feeling when you're in the channel that tells you it's real? Is there something how how do you know you're actually tuning into something higher versus something that your brain telling you you're now tuned into some records that are supposed oh, no, I mean it's, it's, it's a very it's not a brain again, it's not a brain function because I've had people say to me. Hey, do you remember, you know, like if I do an account, when I do my Akashic Records lives, people will sometimes say, oh, do you remember? And I'm like, I can go back and tell you this rough timestamp, but I can't tell you what I said because it's not, a, it's not in my memory as a brain function. It's an energetic function. When I was going to say, you have a lot record, of positive reviews. I mean, people are, from Fire and Ice Transformational Coaching, I mean, people say you have amazing hits. Um, which tells me that, you know, five out of five, uh, just left and right, you, you are tuned into something here. So I'm not completely doubting you. I just want to know what exactly is, uh, you know, I mean, some people might just say I'm intuitive and not even 
give credit to the Akashic Records, um, but still also have a lot of hits. Um, you know, I mean, what is sure. what is going on with you? Well, so here's the thing. So when you, when I go into the Akashic Records, and it's the experience of most people that I know, including the person who taught me the Akashic Records, it's a it's almost like the way I compare it is. When it's like if you you know if you're like in a space and you open like if you open like French doors and you feel like the blowback of the energy you know like if you open doors and it gets like windy a bit or you like release air out of a room, right. So that's sort of the energy of like like I know I can feel the shift if I'm in someone's akashic records and I can also feel like let's say there's somebody on Facebook who asks me a question in a live and I get nothing. And someone asked me, like, what do you do when that happens? And I said, usually I will look at the person's name and I will say, hey, because a lot of people don't use their legal name. So I'll say, hey, are you using your legal name in the, you know, here? And I, because I'm never going to make the assumption that, you know, Julie, Julie, isn't your real name. That's not my job. Um, but if I get a notion that there's like, you're not, I'm not getting information because the Akashic records know you by your legal name or like by a common, like if everybody on earth calls you Sue versus Susan, as an example, then I can say, if I'm like, read, if I'm reading the question out loud and saying, um, you know, Liz Smith asks, what do my guides want me to know about my relationship with Joey? Liz Smith, as opposed to like Elizabeth or Liz Smith is how she's known versus if she's like Lizzie Lou or whatever. And it's like, then that has happened before. And I'll say, hey, is that your, you know, if you're still watching the live, I need your legal name. Just type it in the comments for me. We can always go back and delete it later if you wish. Um, but for me, it's a feeling for some people. Like I know, I know one of my, um, one of my closer friends is also certified in the Akashic Records. And she, when she does reading, she closes her eyes. She With is very certified. Visual. Who is certifying people in the Who is the, the keeper of Akashic Records certification? Well, that seems a little it, bit abstract. It's not, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's not so much as someone is a keeper of them, but it, it's certification is basically showing you, and because I've done both. I've gone and I've listened to like, Again, when I first had someone read me cold and gave me information that was spot on, I went on YouTube like most people do. I went on, you know, Google before DuckDuckGo existed and, um, you know, typed in the Akashic Records. And, you know, because I was, again, again, I was curious. I was fascinated. So I started reading like what the Akashic Records is and such and so forth. So the notion of being certified is that you know how to access the record safely. And again, what I mean by safely is you're in the space of, you're doing it from a space of love. You're doing it from a space of where you're not, because a lot of people play with energy and they have no idea what they're doing. And I'm not shaming or blaming anybody. I'm just saying that energy is one of those things that yes, there's bad energy on the planet. There's, you know, there's a lot of icky stuff. There's a lot of low vibration stuff that, you know, um, is best left alone. I'm not judging anybody that goes there. I just will not. But being certified in the Akashic Records is 
basically it's saying you've learned how to access the records from a space of love. You've learned how to hold the space of, so in other words, part of holding space in the Akashic records and being a really good practitioner is that I don't, I don't judge the information that I get. So sometimes people will go into a space of ego and be like, they'll get in it, they'll get an answer and they'll be like, oh my God, that's really bad. Or, oh my God, I don't want to tell her that her relationship's over with, or I don't want to tell her that her person's having an affair. So they'll say the opposite of what they get, as opposed to being in the space of, I consider myself a conduit. So I'm it's basically a telephone line. Telephone line doesn't hit like Verizon doesn't hang up on you if you suddenly say, Hey, I'm in love with my best friend's husband. Or, you know, I stole $200 million or I, you know, whatever, you know, like, you know, it doesn't, the, the phone lines, computers don't, you know, email doesn't shut down because, you know, you know, have get the, or get the vapors or whatever, because someone shares a piece of information. So I'm just a conduit. It's my job to share the information with you. And I tell people it's, you know, if it doesn't resonate with you, it doesn't resonate with you. I think I've had in the entire time that I've been um, an Akashic Records practitioner, which is going on four years. Um, I think I've had someone be like, eh, that doesn't resonate. All right. Maybe three or four times. Let's do it right now. Give it to me. I want it. You've been teasing me this entire time with this Akashic Records. I need to know. And you know what? I, I will give you, I know you're not supposed to do this with people, but I'll give you some insight here. I did have someone pull a card recently. They did a reading at this summit. This lady who's a medium, I trust her a lot. This woman named Melinda Williams. She's fantastic. Um, at least I trust that, you know, I don't know. There's something, something about her reads legit to me. And she said, Greg, there's a card here that says part of the service that you need to give people is tapping into the Akashic records. And I didn't know what to do with it. I mean, I kind of know hypnosis is, is a powerful modality. I think part of my purpose is to work with people and, and tune people into this un the things that aren't thought this, this spiritual space inside of them that may be subconscious, maybe beyond that. Um, so I'm curious when this woman said, Greg, there is a part of you that needs to do this and work with the Akashic Records in your life. Um, your your soul is moving in that direction. What do you think she means? Um, so what I'm seeing is that, um, let me ask you this. Do I have permission to be in your records? Yes. Okay. So... What I'm seeing is a light beam. And what that tells me is that what I'm hearing is that you're a natural conduit and that you mix truth with humor well, and that um, what I'm hearing is that you, what I'm hearing, what is that? Okay, so what I'm hearing is, is that you have a beautiful, so I'm being shown a diving board. And what I'm hearing is that you have a beautiful platform with which to share information and with which to 
explore the Akashic records. Um, and I'm also hearing that your being a male is a unique place that is relatively speaking. Um, I would say, I don't know the exact statistics because I haven't looked them up, but I would say in my, the classes that I've been in um, and the people that I know that in various, um, again, spiritual circles, consciousness circles, however you'd like to phrase it, by and large, the people who are certified in the Akashic Records, the people who are readers are by and large women. Yes, um, right. And it tends to be because women are more energetically sensitive than men. That's just our feminine nature is that we tend to be, again, because, you know, we can give birth and we are conduits and portals. That's just how, that's yes. just how we were created. But you have a unique, I'm hearing the words, the phrase create magic. And the notion that I'm getting is that it's a choice. Like what I'm hearing is you will not be pushed because you have other things that you are meant to do and that you, but that you are also a carrier of information. And so mm. you're in a space of where basically like some people get like pushed in, like I've been, when I've said, every time I've said, okay, you know what? I'm going to not take any more. I'm not going to take any more modalities. I'm not going to do anything. As soon as I've said that, I've gotten pushed into like some, some other thing has shown up. So it's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. All of a sudden it's like, Hey, you would be an amazing Reiki master. <sighs> Fine. Uh, 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 right. Right. So it's like, and then it was like, you know, when I, when I was looking at sacred soul alignments, I had been, you know, in Alicia's group for a couple of years on Facebook and I had, you know, um, been in the space of, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do it eventually, but not now. And then it was like, you know, she does this free masterclass series. And then she's, you know, like most people, they do a masterclass. So they do like some sort of thing. And then they have an offer, which is just how things work. It's beautiful, whatever. But I was sitting there. It was like, you know, so I go, so I'm, you know, in the Akash and I'm saying, you know, I ask my guys, I'm like, is it in my best and highest interest to take, you know, to now get certified as an Akash, as a uh, sacred soul alignment practitioner? got an immediate yes i'm like but i'm supposed to not be doing that right now and it was like okay but we're telling you you're doing that okay fine so no. it's one of those things where you're yeah. not being like again being that space of being intuitively led you're not you're being offered it as a place of like greg you would be in a you would be a really amazing um conduit portal of information you're trusted you've got platform already if you choose it like you would be able to provide really clear insights to people mm. again and it's like i keep hearing this notion of if you choose it you can create magic yeah but you also have a lot of other things that are because you're one of those people that the way that your guides are showing me is they're showing me like an entire deck of tarot cards and like you're almost wanting to get like most people when they get a reading they get two or three cards and mm. you're one of those people that's like what does that card mean and you're not even looking at the card because they're all face down so you're like okay but what does that card mean and what does that card mean and what is you like you're endlessly fascinated does that make yes. sense yes it does <laughs> yes it does yes <laughs> Yeah, what are, what are you supposed to do with that? I mean, it's a hungry. I definitely have a hungry mind. It's uh, it's it's uh, insatiable. 
So, you know, there's two things that happen when we, you know, from my experience, um, watching other people and with myself is I tend to get very fascinated by certain things, like certain topics. And I tend to like historic houses, for example, love them. Um, yes. And then there's certain things that I can have an opinion, but I really, you know, I'm not interested enough to engage you. Mm-hmm. So there's certain things like, you know, like 200 year old houses that are abandoned that I want to know all the history of. I want to know about, you know, the enslaved people that were there. I want to know what they did, how they did all the things. And like, you know, like I'm a huge, I'm a huge, massive diehard Red Sox fan and major league baseball person. And I can talk for hours about, you know, historic houses, old houses, plantation houses, honoring enslaved people, all kinds of things. And then there's certain subjects where it's like, yeah, I know about it, but I don't give a damn. <laughs> right, right, right. So it's one of those things when you're in a space of endlessly curious some people are just naturally very curious people like they just are like one of my friends is well is an information seeker and really is fascinated by if that person could get paid to go to college continuously and just learn and yeah i feel that job with benefits they totally would yeah oh yeah like if that was if that was like a professional college and I knew someone when I was at Florida State, I actually knew somebody who was, he said, well, I consider my profession being a professional college student. And I kind of looked at him and laughed. He goes, no, no, I'm serious. And I said, wait, how many degrees do you have? And he said, well, this time around, I'm double majoring. And I went, no. well, uh, uh, okay. And he said, well, he was like 35 at the time. And he said, I started out here when I was 18. And I have a part-time job, but I basically am a professional college student. And I went, oh, my God. And he had, like, eight different bachelor's degrees. That's crazy. And I went, wow. Okay, well, congratulations on the fortitude to take all those tests. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, you <laughs> know, look, I mean, I, I had to <laughs> – I, I was told, Greg, you have to start this podcast because – Otherwise, it's just self-indulgence to sit there and consume content after content after piece of content and not share this with other people and do any form of service is, uh, well, it's, it's going to lead you to keep feeling unfulfilled, a, a life, uh, you know, a, what are you creating, Greg? That was the question that was asked of me. What are you actually creating? Well, I feel like, you know, one of the things that I think that you create, what I'm hearing is, is that whether you're aware of it or not, you create a field of possibilities. You create a space where people can ask questions. Yes. Where people can get information they might not normally consider. And because some, some podcasts are very niched. <laughs> oh yeah and you know like okay if you're you know if you're a woman between 25 and 35 that's of childbearing age that and it's like you're like i've seen people in some of the podcast groups that i'm in they are super niched oh, like yeah. if you're not a mom of children under the age of five 
and you didn't have problems breastfeeding and you're not happily married and you're not this, that podcast is not for you. Yes. You know, yes. but I feel like you open this field of possibility for people and that to consider things. And it's with this, like, you are, you have this energy of, oh, really? Tell me more. <laughs> and so that curiosity is gorgeous. Um, and especially now in a world where, again, like we talked about the very beginning, we are not interested. And I, when I say we, I mean, like the collective is in the space of the narrative what's the narrative which way we're all we're all rowing the boat like we're all a bunch of college rowers right we're all rowing in one direction and we can't have one person like out of sync right and you're you're not going to be in sync you're going to be the one that's going to be like look my ducks are not in a row they're at a rave uh, 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 it's so true it's so true yeah and you know one of those things you know it's one of, and the thing is is the other thing i'm hearing is that you don't seek validation and so there's this beautiful space of you're just open to like i want to hear more like you let curiosity genuinely lead without an agenda mm. um and i liked the way i like the way i liked it's a really beautiful way of saying it is you're not one of those people that screams and looks for validation. You just let it lead from a space of I'm trying to create, I'm creating, I'm not trying to, I'm creating a space where people can ask questions and be fascinated. And I'm curious as to what's next. I'm curious. I'm eminently curious about the akash or how someone looks at this thing or that thing or um you know like you said you know open loops the notion of okay so where are we going now like if you're on a train track and you can you know you can shift off from one track to another what does that look like where is it going to take you yes i think it you just gave the greatest review of this podcast ever I'm going, yeah, wait, let me, let me get that in a transcript. And then uh, she needs to post that on Apple reviews for this show. That was, that was beautiful. Um, no, I mean, this is no, I, I, I very much appreciate that. I don't know if other people have this reaction when you're tuning into this, but for some reason, my, my crown area, the top of my head really, uh, it, it felt, a, I feel a warmth right now. I feel some sort of like you're actually, I don't even know. The message is going straight from the from the crown chakra, from my head. It, it's it's lit up right now. Uh, is that is that you tuning into something? Is that complete placebo effect? I mean, what what is it? What is that? What I'm hearing is that you're open to receive it, and um, you're in a space of. I'm actually seeing your crown, your crown chakra lighting up in like this little, it's like a little gold, um, well, like a little gold, it's like a little gold crown of twinkle lights is what I'm actually seeing. Yes. Um, and it's like your crown is, is receiving, what I'm hearing is that you're receiving a download, which is just basically like information. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's meant for your soul. So if you're like, 
I didn't hear anything. I didn't, you know, I don't know what, how I'm supposed to interpret that as a huge, like your left brain goes in and your mind goes, yes. Okay. I felt something tingle, but now I want to know what it meant. It's for your soul. Uh, um, yeah. So like, you don't necessarily have to know, and that can get very frustrating for our, again, our left brain, human thinking mind that wants to protect us and be like, well, and I always tell them like, well, I do everything for the, with the intention of the best and highest good for all involved and coming from a space of love. So, you know, you're never going to get, I mean, will I have to tell people quote unquote bad news sometimes? Sure. But we're never coming from a space of like, you know, um, negativity or ugly or anything like that. Like, you know, the intention is never to hurt another human being. And, you know, I can't speak for how everybody does it. I do know that there are some people who I have had reading. I have had, had did have a reading with somebody um, before I got certified. And she, which is one of the things that makes me nuts about it is when people will say, oh, well, I have this piece of information that they're giving me, but I can't share it with you. Oh, and yeah. What is that? That's, that's really, um, one, it's really icky information. And two, it's someone that is trying to manipulate you. And that's just gross. Yeah. That's what um, it sounds like. It's, you know, it's, and I had someone say to me, well, what happens if someone, you know, tells me that and I'm like, listen, if like, if I like on my lives, as an example, someone asked me a question, I try to get to as many questions on my live as I can in the space of like an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Um, so sometimes it's going to be like, yes, no, boom. And I go on to the next question. Sometimes it's going to be a more complex answer. I'm going to give you every little bit of information your guides give me. Um, because that's energetically, eth ethically correct. Now, if I get something where, like I had an answer one night that was went, went relatively deep and it was about a miscarriage. And I said, um, and, the, and I heard, I heard this person's guide say, you know, write this down. And so I, you know, I had it and I didn't say it out loud, grabbed the pen and paper and I wrote down real quick. I was like scribbling really fast. You could tell on the video that I was scribbling and I was like, furiously trying to scribble enough so I could read my own handwriting and get through the question. And I said, Hey, can you do me a favor? I said, and I, the, she had asked about a baby, a rainbow baby. And I said, um, you know, your rainbow baby is reaching out to me and wants you to know that I can share that the baby is okay. The baby crossed over and that you are loved and it's not your fault. And I said, can you do me a favor and message me after the live? And I didn't, you know, I said, additionally, can you please message me after the live? Sure. No problem. So I finished the live, do the thing. And um, she messaged me and I said, this is the additional piece they wanted me to share. And she was like, Oh, wow. She goes, no one knows that piece of information. And she was like, holy crap. And I said, um, you know, they asked you guys specifically asked me to share that privately. And I said, I, you know, how does that resonate? And she was in tears. She was like, oh my God, I really needed to hear that. I needed to know that. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, you know, that really resonates with me. You know, you just made, you know, you just made the last couple of weeks much like made it a whole lot easier and uh, I appreciate you and thank you for not sharing that in the live 
Um, and I said, you know, you're most welcome. And, uh, but for the most part, you know, if people say, and it happens, you know, and it's, it's sort of reminds like when people say, do you consider yourself psychic or intuitive? And I'll say, I consider myself to be an intuitive because psychic to me, and again, everybody owns their own words, different, their own labels differently. But for me, the term psychic for me feels like, you know, Miss Felicia at three o'clock in the morning in Miami on a bad infomercial in the 1990s paying you three nine and then a minute to give you information. <laughs> right, like, right. No, no. So, you know, I, I try to be in the purity and the clarity of and the and the sacredness that is, you know, the energy of our higher selves and the Akash and you know, the beautiful energy that is the healing arts. And I take it, you know, there's a lot of fun and a lot of, you know, and a lot of people's guides, your guides will match where you are. So if you're a super sarcastic person, your guides are going to be super sarcastic. If you are, you know, wicked smart ass, your guides are going to be wicked smart asses because they're going to meet you where you are. <laughs> if you are very somber and very serious your guys are going to be very somber and serious because again they meet you where you are yeah you know what this is this is yeah no this is this is uh this has been a very mind-blowing discussion do you think can we all do it can we can we tap into the akashic records right now i mean for for the people listening uh what, what would you tell them if they wanted to experience this um, if someone wanted to experience it, I would recommend they join my group, honestly, because I do a freebie. I do a free um, hour every Monday night at seven o'clock Eastern time in my group, Awakening with Grace. And um, there's a Facebook they can group. Come in. Yes. Wow. Um, and they can come in. You can join it. I mean, I, I do I, seven o'clock every Monday night. I'm there live. I like I said, I go for an hour to an hour and a half. Um, when um the voice comes back on it's strictly an hour because the voice is one of my is one of my few guilty pleasures <laughs> um yeah. but uh. you know normally i do an hour to, i go basically till my energy till my energy starts you know blipping and i know pretty well when my energy is feeling funky and it's like you know okay guys i've got like five more minutes because my energy starts to wane and um but I invite people to experience it because it's one of those things that, you know, when people come on and I'll say, let me know if this resonates with you. Um, you know, let me know if this, and I'm going to be doing, I'm probably going to do a freebie thread tomorrow in on my, I, on my IG page as well. Um, to just kind of say to people, and I do, you know, I'm, I'm actually doing a thread right now in my, in my, uh, my private, my private Facebook page. And I just like to share the records with people, the power of them and the clarity of them with people. And, yeah. you know, people will say, well, I read other people's answers. I'm like, I hope you do. Because sometimes we're in a space of like, oh, well, you know, she got my, and people are skeptical. And I'm like, please do, please be skeptical, please. Um, I don't want you to believe that, you know, I don't want you to believe that, you know, in what I do any more than, you know, you believe in whoever's president of the United States at the moment, or you believe that the sky is blue and the grass is green and it's, you know, July in the United States. If you, if you're like, that's not true. Okay. Yeah. Like I'm it, not, it's not my job to get you to buy into it. But you have, you know, I mean, look at this awakening with grace with Jilly Marie. You, you have, 
uh, close to a thousand people in this group. Uh, I clearly your message is resonating with tons of people. I mean, there's there's no way you can get that many people in a Facebook group these days without. I mean, wait, are you? What do you attribute to your rise? to influencing as many people as you have when I think a lot of people are out there trying to speak uh, from this intuitive place, but they're not really, they're not getting as much traction. Uh, is it just because you've been doing it as long as you have? Is there something else going on? Like, what, what is that? Um, I think, honestly, the fact that I'm very transparent. Um, I yeah. am really authentic. There's not a whole lot that I'm afraid to talk. Like I said earlier, there's not a lot that I'm afraid to talk about. I mean, I've, I've written everybody in Congress about, you know, coming from the space of being like, hey, I'm a rape survivor. I am as raw in my group. Like I will share with people, like I had something earlier this year where I was like in my group doing a live in tears and saying, hey, this is the deal. This is real life. You know, you when you become conscious and awake, that and you start your journey, that doesn't necessarily mean, like I said earlier, it's not going to be all cupcakes and sunshine and roses. Awakening healing is a messy, messy journey. And, you know, to be in it for me, I think what re what people tell me what resonates most is that I'm going to give, like I said earlier, I'm going to give you information and it's not coming from a place of ego. It's coming from a place of, let me know if this resonates with you. And if it does, awesome and if you're like you're full of crap cool and i have had people be like you're full of crap and then i've had people come back to me like you know a week later or i had someone message me like two months after telling me off and blocking me and making a whole big thing of it um she messaged me she goes so um you were right and i was like about what because again it's not a memory function so i said what do you mean and she said well remember you you said this and this and this, and you were spot on, and I was being an ass, and I apologize. I go, you don't owe me an apology. I'm like, you weren't ready to receive that information yet. It's cool. Um, but again, I think that why I resonate with people is I am raw. I am authentic. I am transparent with people. Um, I will tell you that if you know you're going to show up and do a program, like if you're going to do a a program with me if you're not going to show up and do the work the program's not going to work yeah and you know it, it just isn't and if you're in a space where you're like you're full of crap i'm not there to convince i don't do lives to convince you of anything if it resonates with you fabulous if you're like you're full of crap cool and it's not my job to tell you anything it's my job to say you know and a lot of times like i end up when it comes to you know anything political um when it comes to you know everyday newsworthy issues if you will i ask lots of questions and because that's how i was when i was in the school of poli sci literally um that's how i was raised i was raised to consider other people's viewpoints well what if this person is right what if we both want the same outcome? We just have two different ways of doing it. You know, what if we're going to put ending homelessness into the GPS and we're starting where we are in, you know, on, on July 22nd, 2021, and we put in as our, as our, you know, ultimate destination, ending homelessness or ending racism or, you know, whatevering, whatever, you know, pick your topic. 
there's going to be at least three different ways to get there. And so my job when it comes to things like that is just go, huh, I wonder what happens if, what if, and when it comes to my group, you know, I try to, um, you know, impart real life lessons on people. I, you know, I just show up real. And I think that that is an imperative. I think that yeah. we need more authenticity and we need more real. And I feel like we're so busy trying to cancel people and get people to be. We've gotten yes, into a world you're against where, cancel culture. Yeah, that's what I love to hear. Oh, hugely. I mean, because I really believe that. I mean, I, you know, I mean, again, being in my 40s, I was raised in a time when, you know, people were allowed to say controversial crap. And you know, like, I mean, I, you know, like, I mean, I remember having, you know, Andrew Dice Clay saying all kinds of craziness and, uh, yeah. you know, all these other comedians. And it was like, you know, nowadays, you know, it's like, you know, people say, well, that person's an equal opportunity offender. And I go, good. Huh? Why, why are we so afraid of saying, you know, what's so horrible about saying, you know, like, even like someone the other day was, you know, well, this person needs to be canceled because this, and I go, well, why aren't we having the conversation about, you know, what this person did 10 minutes before you started running the video? Or why aren't we having a conversation about, you know, when I, and I use the, one of the phrases that I use to people, one of the analogies that I use is, you know, I'm going to pull two or three people out of the river and then I'm going to go up there. I'm going to stop doing that. And I'm going to walk up river and go, why are people falling in the river in the first place? I mean, interesting. Yeah. As opposed to being like, let me just keep rescuing people. No, no, wait a minute. What's the genesis? Because here's the thing. We are putting a bandaid on a heart attack and calling it good. In so many areas, as opposed to being like, well, you know what? You know, you can sit here, we can have discussions all day long about, I mean, I can have discussions about economics. I can have a discussion about, you know, all kinds of create, all kinds of things that I normally, you know, don't discuss with people. And I mean, I've had discussions with people about, you know, I'm, you know, living in Raleigh and being in a space of like, I mean, when I worked in housing, people would be like, we need to move the airport. And I'm like, if you don't want to have, you don't want to hear planes overhead three or four times a day, then you best not move into that neighborhood. Because the international airport that's been there for like 50 years isn't going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so we need to be in a space of, you know, instead of trying to be in a space of canceling that which we disagree with, why do you disagree with it? What's the wound that needs to be healed? Because you know, my, my, I remember when I, you know, growing up, I had this, um, it was in my twenties and I used to run a candy store a long time ago and wait, that's my, awesome. To, you ran a candy wise. store. I ran a candy store. It was cool. Oh, um, I think this is the coolest part of this interview. Wait a minute. This is, yeah, you, you, <laughs> oh, you're telling me you had nerds, you had uh, gobstoppers, jawbreakers, Taffy fudge. I mean, uh, you, you now you're really provoking my imagination. So, and I also got to meet Steven Tyler, who, by the way, likes gumballs and licorice. 
by the way. Oh my. Okay, keep the keep keep getting. That's very weird. But okay, keep going. I'm I'm riveted now. So, um, I had a friend of mine who she called herself my gay friend Christine, and it was more of a joke than anything else. But Boston has one of the biggest pride 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 parades in the world, and um. She came in one day, she was just, it was, it was Pride Saturday, and I was not, I was working, so I wasn't out at it, um, and she walks into my store, and she's just, like, fit to be tied, and she's like, I hate pink, and I look at her, and I go, <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Where's, like, are you okay? Do you need a glass of water? What's going on? Well, the long story short is, Christine, um, and this was back in the this was back in the late 1990s, and uh, Christine was, was she would say I'm very much a lesbian, and like okay yeah anybody that knows you knows that not a big secret, um, but she's like if you have to yell at somebody about being out and proud she's like you're neither out nor proud, and I went hmm. um, okay sweetheart explain to me where you're I don't understand like I missed something I'm like okay well there's this chick and I don't know if there I haven't been to a pride parade in years but there's this chick that used to be they would have somebody in still on stilts it was usually a woman she was in a bikini and one year she was in bright like big bird yellow another year she was in bright orange blah 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 so super neon bright colors whole bit and she happened to decide she was going to accost Christine. And Christine looked up at her and she's screaming at her about how she's out and proud. <laughs> and Christine looks at her and she goes, if you're up there on those stilts in bright pink, she's like, no offense, sweetheart, but you're neither out nor proud. And I went, oh, dear Jesus. I said, in the middle of the... I go, well, how'd that end? I said, I'm right. super surprised you're not in handcuffs. Was anybody in handcuffs? She goes, well, not along the... She goes, not among the, the people watching the... Like, oh, Jesus. And she said, no. She goes, it just bothers me that this person is screaming at the top of their lungs and accosting other people, and I had to say something. And I go, okay. And she goes, and I have to walk back the same way because I'm not getting on the tee when it's hotter than Hades. And I go, oh, Jesus. Okay. And she's like, so then like three days later, she comes back and she says to me, she goes, I had the poor girl in tears. She had to get off her stilt. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. And I was like, okay. She goes, but. She's like, do you understand my, and she looks at me and she's like, do you understand my point? That if people are so, and, and I said, you know, and I, and I thinking about when someone, I was hearing of when I first heard about cancel culture and I was trying to figure out like what the hell that meant. And it was like this notion that anybody that disagrees with us, we're going to disallow. And it's like, isn't that the antithesis of free speech? And if we're in a space where we're cheering on people who are not saying things that we'd like or agree with, where does it end? 
you know, like, cause eventually it's going to end up on your doorstep. Eventually it's going to be you as opposed to you being like, yeah, yeah. I'm against anybody that, you know, I'm like, you know what? I don't have to eat their food. I don't have to do the thing, but I'm also not going to actively boycott. They do whatever they want to do. You do whatever you want to do. I can, I'm like, unless you're really actively threatening somebody or causing hurt or pain, you have free speech. It's one of the beautiful things about this country. I can vehemently disagree with you and still be like, yeah, eh, I disagree with you vehemently, but you still have a right to say it. And, you know, for me, that's one of those things that, you know, it's like, I don't feel like that's even like up for discussion, if that makes sense. Would you ever run for office? No. Oh, come on. Why? We, we might need a voice like you in there. Um, I would never. Here's the thing. Here's why I would never run for office, because I have been asked. I have actually been approached about it. Um, if you don't like and, you know, I, if people don't like how blunt Donald Trump was. Uh, they, we, we need more of you. Um, they would not like me because I am not the person who is going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm not going to be ugly and tactless. But um, I'm also would be even more ruthless and draining the swamp. I think that could be great. I think you should have an entire campaign where you're just telling people not to vote for you. I think you will rise to the top so quick. <laughs> don't don't even think about it. I don't want to be on. I mean, one of my friends a couple of years ago was like people wanted to put him on a ballot and for a local election. And he was like, do not. And, you know, they, people got signatures and they were so fed up that they actually got him on the ballot. And he was like, and he's like, not that I don't want to be of service, but he was actually moving out of state. And so we couldn't. And, uh, but I just, you know, I, I was intending a long time ago on, I wanted to, I was, I got my degree in poli sci. Um, yeah. But I'm very much... Again, I'm not, a, I don't put band-aids on cancer. I don't BS people. I'm not interested in, I'm not interested in throwing a band-aid on cancer and calling it good. Like I want to go into like the inner cities and have a discussion about, you know, why don't we have actual grocery stores in the middle of the inner cities? Why are we like, I want to tackle, I would, like, would want to tackle real world issues because I don't want, I want to empower people. I want to lift people up. I believe very strongly in the notion of, you know, letting people have the freedom to do that which they desire to do. What, about, um, what do you think of Marianne Williamson when she ran? I think that she was trying to be a square peg in a round hole. Um, read do you the respect her at all? Yeah, do you respect her? What, what are your thoughts on her? I did. Um, but I felt like she, what I felt, again, I do things, you know, energetically, of course. And I felt like reading a lot of her stuff, like she, like a lot of people that come to like, want to go to Washington, the intention was, was good hearted, but I feel like, um, I feel like there was a lot of people who were, that are people that are in spiritual consciousness communities are turned off incredibly by politics. And I feel like 
people in politics, especially democratic politics in particular, um, which is where she need, you have to get in you have to get in on that side and she calls herself a democrat so that's where she has to fit in first before she can be in a general space um were turned off by her she was too woo woo and i feel like a lot of people come into a political space from a standpoint of um, I think a lot of people come in from a standpoint of wanting to help. They really believe whatever their version of help is. But I also believe that um, you're not helpful. You're not uplifting when you are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars and you're making a salary of 174K a year and you're supporting two households. And everybody in DC does that because they have their home district, their home, their you know family, whatever. And then they have a household in DC. Now, granted, a lot of Congress people live in their offices. Literally, they don't have a separate home. Um, they take showers in the gym beneath um, the Capitol, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think that it's very hard when there's so much ingrained in um there's so much ingrained on both sides of the aisle and there's so much quid pro quo again on both sides of the aisle and there's so much um people out for themselves and people get to dc and it is the rare person who serves with grace and with intent with good honest intentions and serves and i'm a big believer huge believer in term limits i'm a huge huge believer in term limits um but i also feel like you can't drain the swamp when you're benefiting from it and people on both sides of the aisle. And I tell people all the time, it's not a democratic thing, it's not a Republican thing. It's not a conservative thing, it's not a liberal thing. It is a, um, it is a thing you don't understand until you're in it. And I've never been in it, but I know many people, I, again, like I said, I went to school for poli-sci. I know a lot of people who graduated Florida State and in some capacity or another ended up in DC and um got to see the ugly underbelly and got to see you know the manipulation and the arm twisting and um you know they call people they have a position on each side of the aisle called the whip and that person um they don't literally have a whip but they definitely arm twist and they definitely do vote counts and they definitely manipulate and they definitely use ugly tactics to get votes and i again like i said since i'm a believer in transparency i could never run for office because i don't believe that there's enough people who i think it costs too much as long as we are in a space of as long as we are in a space of this country where we're not where we're not willing to free think and we are not willing to call crap crap 
Um, I think a lot of people have really good intentions, but it costs so much money to run. The last campaign was record slinging mudslinging was a record setting mudslinging competition, and being unaffiliated in North Carolina, I get information from both sides. And I called more than one campaign flat out and said, you know what, <clears throat> um, for real, this is gross. I mean, I'm fully aware of, you know, I mean, this person's been my senator or my congressperson or whatever, and I am fully aware of what they've done. Tell me what you're gonna do differently. And we don't know how, again, we don't know how to not bash. We don't know how to say, hey, so-and-so did a great job. And we get upset with people for saying, you know, we get upset with people for giving kudos to people. We get upset with people for like the Tulsi Gabards of the world get kicked out of, you know, a lot of things because they truth tell in their party. And, um, you know, when you call crap crap in DC, it's not welcome. And that's not a new thing necessarily. It's just much more pronounced than it's ever been. And like I said, I've been a student of politics since the 80s. And since I was a little kid, and since I like, we got a subscription to Newsweek magazine, and I read it, consumed it. And I was always have been fascinated by it my whole life. And to be in a space of like, you know, and people are like, well, you should run. I'm like, no, but thank you for the compliment. But I don't think, you know, I'm like, if you couldn't handle, you know, if you couldn't handle Donald Trump, you really couldn't handle me. Let because me, let me, let me know. ask you something before, but yeah, I, I have to know about this. You know, <laughs> this is, this is the thing I need to know about you. Throughout all this, you know, you came into this interview you started talking about the masks and I, and I egged it on. It's true. Um, and then, and then, you know, you, you definitely have very pointed, you're right. Very pointed, very, very strong, very authentic views about things. I have a lot of, uh, I've heard a lot of people that it's almost a, it's a stereotype. People joke about, Oh, well, we're ascending from the 3D to the 5D, and and they talk yes. from this really spiritual flower, flowery place, and you come in with this really rash, raw, uh, uh, almost almost offensive <laughs> way which you speak, but also you're channeling these higher entities and or and and wisdom as well. Uh, what do you think? Is is are are you more legit in some ways because you're because you you come almost with this chip on your shoulder kind of energy or uh, is that by design that you stay there or do you have the capacity to be a little more flowery too? I'm curious about. Oh you know, no, what there's it, definitely I, I definitely can be both. Um, I definitely you know politics is one of my one of my friends calls it my angry passion. Okay. Um, right. Is and anger it's, it's like healthy? I, yes. Um, like I tell people, there's no such thing as a negative emotion. There's no such thing as a negative as far as like, because the thing is, if I feel anger or I feel fear or I feel resentment or I feel frustration, it's just telling me something is off. 
Right. Right. So it's like, if I'm in the, like, when I tell people, like, someone will go, oh, I'm frustrated with this. And I'll go, okay, so tell me more about that. If frustration is a space between where you are and where you desire to be, who do you need to be? What needs to change? What needs to heal or shift in order for you to move to where you desire to be? So do you call BS on these spiritual teachers that are always in this state where they're always in this? Uh, do you think they're they're actively suppressing authentic expression or are there people that can be a little more Zen and monkish throughout all of this? Um, I think there's people who have a deliberate, um, because again, there's a multi, there's a number of spiritual teachers that that people that are you know particularly on Facebook and whatever. But there's also, you know, a number of spiritual teachers that I know personally, and so there's a lot of people that elect not to share their fear, but their fear-based emotions, their cranky, their anger, their their you know publicly. You know that they have a brand and they stay on brand and um or they've worked through their frustration with certain things so they can't and i mean yes there are certain things but i would love to be in a space of neutrality um and there's certain things where i'm like you know there's certain things where there's a there's a right and a wrong there just is and um you know, it's like, you know, and I had, I, and I posted on my personal Facebook page, you know, like seeing certain people, certain politicians reactions or lack thereof to like Cuba having freedom as a bold example politically. And a lot of people that I know that are in the spiritual communities simply don't engage in anything political. And that's their choice. Um, I don't think that makes them inauthentic. I just think that they are making a choice to be in a space of um, I just, and I had someone actually say to me, someone who I have a deep respect for, I just choose not to engage in political things because I don't feel like I can affect change there. Okay. Yeah. Um, so if there is, I mean, there are some people certainly that are like, I can't affect change, so we're not going to solve the world's problems. So I'm not going to even go there. And I just feel like I have a more. I'm meant on some level, I'm meant to be a disruptor. And usually where I'm a disruptor is in spaces where I ask questions. Like when someone gets cranky about a certain situation and um, I'll say, well, what brings you to that place? What makes you feel that way? What is causing you to feel, how come you feel like, um, you know, I respect your anger. I respect, you know, I would be pissed off too about whatever the situation might be but I wasn't there like legit. I was in North Carolina. I was nowhere near whatever the thing, the situation was. I mean, pick your incident over the last like three years. Um, <laughs> you know, You're definitely a disruptor. You're definitely a disruptor. So being in the space though of, you know, I don't get to, I wasn't there and I, and I am in a space where, yeah, I've definitely made decisions in my life that I have faith, you know, could permanently face palm myself for. Sure. Um, you know, I've definitely made, had spaces where, you know, where I've said things and I've put my, made myself a target. I mean, I've written about my rape publicly. So to be in a space of, you know, as a rape survivor, this and that, 
And I've had people say, I've gotten all the questions. What were you wearing? What were you doing? Why would you do this? You know, what? well, maybe if you'd had a gun, it wouldn't have been a, whoa. Like none of that. And I've answered all of them with grace. And someone that is close to me read my article that I had published. And um, it's no longer up because the Zine got sold. The online magazine got sold. So the article is no longer public. Um, but the person was like, I have to tell you, I wouldn't have been able to be that calm in the face of people saying those things about me. And I said, I wouldn't have been able to write what I wrote and be public about it if I wasn't at peace with that. And when I find people being, the louder I find people being about any given subject, the more that my sense is intuitively that they are not at peace and they're looking desperately for validation, someone to tell them that they're right, because what if they're wrong? What if, um, you know, what if someone has to be, because we're never just questioning the thing that we think we're questioning. So if we're in a space, for example, of Let's say that you're in a relationship and you're asking someone to, you know, shift their viewpoint on, you know, how they behave or how they process emotion. It's not just the fact that the person, the person doesn't have an anger management issue. They have a failure to feel emotion issue. And if they're having to question the fact that their dad or their mom or their, you know, superhero, whoever that person happens to be who raised them also didn't know how to model and feel emotion, then they're gonna have to question a whole, they're opening Pandora's box essentially. And a lot of times we don't realize that if we're not just asking someone to question one thing, the specific thing that we're talking about in the moment, we're asking them to question everything. And that goes into your identity. Oh, and this is resonating with me. This is resonating deep. So if we're in a space, right, of going, okay, like I said to someone, there was someone I was talking to and I said, so if depression is anger turned inward and you've been in a space where you've identified as someone who suffers from depression for 25 years, who are you suddenly if you're not suffering from depression? Your That's whole right. life changes. That's so right. That's so right. Yes. You know, you're, you're suddenly in a whole different space. And so when people sit there and I go, well, what's the actual issue? Because the thing that you're mouthing off about on social media, nine and a half times out of 10 is not the thing that you're actually upset about. And if you're in a space where you're suddenly being forced to have a, a deeper conversation with somebody and be in a space of, well, if this is this and that's that, then we're having an entirely different conversation. And I end up saying to people, okay, so let's just say, for example, that, um, you know, let's just say that you're, and I tell people a lot of times, can we be in a, can we start from a space of your parents, grandparents, whoever, caregivers, whoever raised you, didn't know what they didn't know. Can we start there? And they're like, 
Yes, we can. Okay, so if you didn't know what you didn't know or you don't know how to process emotion, then you are in a space where you can't feel emotion because what if that's, you know, we don't like, I don't know how deep my anger runs. So who am I if I'm not an angry person? Who am I if I'm no longer reactive to everything? Who am I if I'm no longer um, an angry black person, white person, gay person, straight person? If I'm no longer that person who is trying to, you know, be an influencer on IG or trying to be like that persona, then suddenly I have no identity. And then, and that's really scary. You know, what if I'm suddenly in a space where it's like, oh shit, I'm no longer this person who's trying to, because when people are acting out, they're in a space where they basically, their body's like, I can't hold any more anger, frustration, sadness, disappointment, rage, whatever. I can't hold any more pain. So now it's bleeding out on all these people that didn't cut me. Yeah. And I feel like that's where we are as a country right now, by and large, is all these people that are like, don't know how to handle energy and motion, specifically fear-based emotion. And if we're in a space where we start healing our emotion, what if you, if you actually want the gang violence to stop, you got to get in and heal the reason why kids gravitate toward gangs in the first place. If you want racism to actually stop, we got to delve into what's why are people falling into the river that is racism in the first place. If we want the bigger issues in the world to be healed, if we're really trying to heal it, we can't just throw a Band-Aid on cancer and call it good. We can't just do a stump speech that we cover 20 seconds of on CNN or MSNBC or pick your channel. We got to actually have a deeper discussion about, you know, I wasn't heard. I wasn't, my ancestors weren't heard. My grandparents weren't heard and they taught me because they didn't know how to feel emotion. I got, it wasn't safe for me to feel emotion. So it goes much deeper and much further back than most people have the capacity to even consider. So they go back to the simple, easy thing of Trump sucks, Biden sucks, you know, climate change, or, you know, if we get all the plastic off the planet, if I get everybody going the same direction, everybody thinks that gay people are the best thing ever then, or lesbians or straight people or Jesus, or fill in your thing. Football, soccer, the Olympics, video games, tortoises, I don't care. Fill in your blank. If everybody could just, and I had someone say that like 20 years ago, like, you know, everybody, everybody loves cookies. And I went, and I remember laughing like really hard. And I was like, what mm -hmm. are you talking about? And they said, well, doesn't everybody love cookies? And I went, I, 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 okay we can assume, yeah right I mean, i'm sure there's people but it was like and i said okay what are you getting at and they said well 
we have to find if we can come together because we all love cookies and we can all sit down and munch cookies and everybody's devouring cookies, then maybe they'd hear the hard things. And I went, uh, <laughs> well, okay. I'm like, uh, you know, it's not the worst thing I've ever heard, but it was just interesting to have someone in the middle of a random conversation about something else go, everybody loves cookies. And I'm, Okay. Wow. So at the end of the day, what we've learned today is that Julie Marie <laughs> is a cookie woman and a candy woman. And she owned the candy store and their cookies involved, their their sweets involved. They, you know what? I think I think we found your sweetness by the end of this interview. <laughs> you started tough about the masks, and then we learned you you're really just you're just a you're just a sweet candy shop owner that keeps it real with people but you well, know what you know the thing the thing is is that my sweet spot is i love watching my clients have ahas and i yeah. love giving people the gift of clarity that what i do offers them um that is one of my greatest joys and being able to say to people you know and empowering people and saying you know, you have this too. Let's heal this for real because your joy that is your birthright in my belief is underneath your fear and your crap and your resentment and your anger and all this stuff. So when you're right, and I, you know, we'll say to people, okay, well, you're expect you're right now you're drinking poison, expecting someone else to die and you're building resentment because they're not dying. Not only are they not dying that you don't, they don't care that you're dying drinking poison. And it's like, you're right. And I'm like, okay, so who are you if you stop drinking poison and go, you know, I just need to feel this pain. Yeah. And it's not, you're only going to go as fast as the slowest part of you feel safe to go, period. And that's not, I heard that years ago from somebody else. So it's not my original thought. Um, but it just was like, that's a really interesting thought. Like, you know, if someone's that buried in pain and resentment and like, and that's where most political stuff comes from, really, is fear. And, you know, like, well, if we could just like, you know, if we, you know, and it's like, it's not as simple as just, but it's like, if we could just hear each other and be in a space of, huh, so tell me why you feel that way, Greg. Tell me why you feel that way, Jim. Hey, Sarah, tell me why, you know, what brought you, what life experience brought you to the space where you're in now? Yeah. How much better would we be if we could just hear Greg, Jim, Susie, Sarah, my opinions and be in a space of, you know, this happened to me and it's valid. Your pain is valid. Your experience is valid. And I invite you to consider another idea. Wow. Jilly Maria. You are, we are going to link to all your stuff. You definitely made me consider a lot of different ideas tonight. So I am, uh, this, this was a fascinating conversation. I, yeah, I, I'm very curious to see where you go next. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. It's been fantastic. You are amazing. I can't wait to see what happens with you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Yes. Jillian Maria.
Thanks so much for coming on the show. If you like open loop shenanigans, make sure to follow me at the Greg Bornstein on Instagram. Thank you, Rodney McGilvery, for the theme music. I want to thank all of you for listening. Also, make sure you check out Total Disclosure. Coming August 5th, five-day conference of all the loopy conversations you could possibly imagine. It's going to be great. Take care, everybody. <laughs>